on what it means to respond to Jesus. So see if you can pick up on some of the messages of the the hymns and the songs that we'll be singing today. Kristen, you're up. Thank you, Pastor Lou. Good morning, church. All right, so this song is Revelation song. And the power described in this song is beyond comprehension. The king on his throne with power manifested in rainbows that glisten, thunder peals and lightning flashes. Elders surrounding him. You got to think that that John is observing this. It was probably tuned down a little bit so he didn't explode. All right. The sevenfold spirit, lamps and creatures, quite an image. It's hard to recreate it in my mind, even though John's words are clear and descriptive. Sing the words with us and try to picture in your mind our God, our Lord, and our King in his power. And all the honor and the glory are his. Amen. So I got to start because Nancy, Sharon's not going to start. Would you please stand if you can?
Jesus, Lord of all, I humbly fall at your feet and beg forgiveness for all of my sins. You pick me up and embrace me as a brother and show me the way to continue. I am not worthy and I still sin because I am a mere human. Please guide me on my path to you and to the Father. Have mercy upon me, a poor sinner, and help me to do what you want me to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Holy vine, let me 
feel the Holy Spirit, truly know that Thou art mine. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power, let Thy blessing fall on me. So this next song, I have decided to follow, no, right? Is that? I have decided to follow Jesus. Hold on one second. So um, about 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales, England, or Wales. As a result of this, many missionaries came from England and Germany to northeast India to spread the gospel. At the, uh, t- at the time, northeast India was not divided in many states as it is today. The region was known as Assam, and comprised of hundreds was comprised of hundreds of tribes. Naturally, they were not welcomed. Uh, one Welsh missionary succeeded in converting a man, his wife, and two children. The man's faith proved to be contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned the villagers, and he then called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Spirit, the man said, I have decided to follow Jesus three times, and then no turning back, no turning back. He held his faith, he held true to God, and he was executed along with his family. decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Will not go with me, I will follow. Though none go with me, Good singing. All right, so if you would read with me, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, think what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Amen. So I, I have from uh, from Zondervan. Um, most of the Corinthian believers were not wise, influential, or highborn worldly of worldly standards. God chose people for His church that worldly wise people wouldn't expect. He chose the uneducated, the non-influential, the insignificant, the disdained. God sovereignly chose them in order to shame, confound, and invalidate the elite. If God chose primarily those who are wise, influential, and highborn, then they might proudly presume that God chose them because of their elite status and thus boast in themselves. But believers boast in Jesus the true wisdom, because of Jesus, God gave us righteous status to, God gave, gives a righteous status to sinful people. Sets believers apart for himself at the moment, he first gives them spiritual life and frees them all from slavery to sin. Amen. Thanks. I'm going to ask uh, if, uh, two people would come up and help with the uh, offering, please. 
And as we get ready for the offering, I'll, I'll pray over it. Um, I'd like to just uh, ask prayer for the people in California. Um, they've been getting storm after storm, and there's been a lot of death uh, because of it. And um, still people missing. And then um, I understand that in the south, Alabama and Georgia got hit pretty hard with tornadoes uh, also. So uh, let's pray for those who are uh, still missing and hopefully they'll be found alive. Father, um, the forces of of nature overwhelm us many times. The floods from the storms in California, the mudslides, the destruction, the loss of life, and the same with the tornadoes down south, Father. We just ask, Father, for uh, for you to be with families who have lost loved ones. We ask for those that are missing that they may be found alive. But, Father, through this all, we thank you for uh, people who respond to this, our first responders, Samaritan's Purse and churches and other people, Father, who who show that they care during tragic times. So, Father, would you bless them? And, Father, as we give to the work of the, of the ministry, may the gospel of Christ boldly sound forth here in Forked River and throughout the world. Bless the gift and the giver, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you want to follow along with us, um, I'll be in John chapter 1. And if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be here up on the screen. Uh, do you know that uh, you've heard the expression, God works in mysterious ways, right? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when, in my prayer to God, I, I pray that he would let me in on, on what's going on, but sometimes he doesn't work that way. Uh, but he does work in mysterious ways. I want to suggest to you this. Uh, one of the mysterious ways in which he works is how, by his love and grace, he chose people like me and you. Were you surprised? You ought to be. Because none of us deserve to be chosen. Isn't that true? All right. How, how many, how, anybody here think they're so good they deserve to be chosen? No. It's quite the opposite, by the way. And, you, you know, first, why would God choose someone like me by his grace? Boggles my mind. To this day, it boggles my mind. Second, why he called me into full-time ministry still amazes me. This is God's sovereignty and grace in action. Now, um, you know, I, I often use this illustration uh, in high school yearbooks. You know, those of you uh, who have them, they had a section, you know, who was most likely to su succeed, you know, the best couple, class clown, and all of that. Um, if, if they had a section in the yearbook who was the least likely to be saved, I would have been there. How about you? I would have been there. Right. And 
you know, you, you reflect back on the grace of God and, and the fact that he chooses people that the world honestly sometimes gives up on. And that's a shame. That's a shame. But God does that. He does it. We've, we just read it from Paul in Corinthians. And, I, you know, I've observed that the people God chooses to save and be called to ministry are not the ones the culture or business world would choose. They're just not. All right? There is a, um, a man that some of you have had the opportunity to see via video uh, by the name of David Ring. And David Ring uh, was born with uh, cerebral palsy. And he has trouble walking. His hands shake a lot. Uh, we're the same age, by the way, now. Uh, and um, he, when he talks, it takes about two to three minutes to start to hear what he's saying. His own family, except for his mother and sister, thought he would never amount to much. That's how bad the disability was. But as David tells his story, he, uh, he crowded four years of high school into six years. Got that? And his uh, high school counselor said, David, you should just take the diploma and you know, see what you can do. And he said, he said, no. At that point, his sister took him to an evening service at a Baptist church. And the pastor gave an invitation to come to Christ, and he responded. And he said he knew from that point that God was calling him to preach and to be an evangelist. He didn't like it, but he knew it. And so from high school, he went to Bible school. They said he'd never be able to graduate. He graduated. They also said he probably uh, wouldn't be able to get married. He got married. Then they said that he wouldn't be able to have kids. He had, I think, eight kids total, right? Lovely wife. They've been together for years now. To this day, David Ring is booked around the world to speak. And he has led many people to Christ simply because he was a man with a disability. I don't think that's politically correct anymore, but cerebral palsy. But God had other plans for him. I like what he says when he, uh, and he gives his testimony about how God worked in his life and all. And, you know, he talks about how, to, how he responds to Jesus. And he looks at the, the congregation. And he says, what's your excuse? He says, I have cerebral palsy. What's your excuse? And that's, that's a key question, isn't it? That's a key question. You know, and I hear this all the time. I hear people say to me, well, you know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. No, no. If God called you, he demands a response. Okay. 
Have you ever gotten an invitation in the mail to go to an event you really didn't want to go to? Have you ever done that? And it, the invitation demands an RSVP. And I know some people, in order not to confront it, will say, well, I just won't send it back. Well, no, you've answered the invitation already, right? You see, a no response is a no. Isn't that true? A no response is a no. And so I want to suggest to you today that when Jesus, I'm going to use this term figuratively because we know he's fully God, fully man, and he's all present. But there are instances where it feels like Jesus is passing by. I'll give you an example. Um, I, I've been to a couple of Billy Graham crusades. And Jesus is passing by at that moment, you see. People hear and sense through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is there. And Billy Graham gives the invitation and he says, come. Come as you are. Come as you are. And people through the Holy Spirit respond. Not everybody, but a lot of people respond. And the question is, how do we respond to Jesus? I want to suggest to you that's the most important question in life. How do we respond to Jesus? Now listen, in the uh, Great Commission, uh, back in Matthew, Jesus says uh, to the disciples and hence to the church, says, go into your world and make disciples. Didn't say make converts. He said, make disciples, teaching them all that I have taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, that, that wasn't an option. That's a command. That's a command for every believer. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm not an evangelist. You don't have to be. What you have to do is share your story. Well, Pastor, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a very good reader. You don't have to be. God will equip you for what he wants you to do. Yeah, yeah most of you who know me know that um, when, because of my, my, my hearing impediment and, believe it or not, because of my white fingernails, I was very self-conscious about speaking in front of people because you know, when you can't hear sometimes your speech gets affected. I was very conscious of that. So the first, you know, when God called us to seminary, the first chapel I had to do and preach with the student body and all of the professors, I thought I was going to get physically sick. This is true. In fact, I asked that a bucket be put right near the pulpit just in case. And, you know, when it came down time for the message, uh, you know, I came up and I, I shot one of those arrow prayers to heaven. Did you ever do that? Right? I said, Lord, if you're going to get me through this, this is on you. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, and, and God just said, just be obedient. Just be obedient. And he got me through it.
there's a gospel that's being preached that says if you come to faith in Jesus that you'll never be sick or never be poor you'll you know you'll you'll have the house you wanted and all of that and i want to suggest to you that's a false gospel because responding to Jesus demands discipleship and sometimes that discipleship and call is hard and difficult. In fact, it cost 11 of the apostles their lives, with the exception of John. So the question I want to ask is, what's your response to Christ? Now, I'll take you through this as, as quickly as I can. It says, when the two disciples, I believe this to refer to John and Andrew, um, heard him uh, say this, they followed Christ. In other words, Christ had been teaching. And, you know, Jesus always invites. He'll teach. And people decide to follow him. I will I've decided to do what? Follow Jesus, right? Turning around to them, Jesus asked a question, and he asked a key question. He says, he saw them following, he says, what do you want? What a great question, right? What do you want? Because a lot of people were following Jesus to see the next miracle he might do, and for no other reason, or to see the Pharisees try to trap him with a theological question. So Jesus asked a key question. He says, what do you want? Look at the answer. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He says, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he, he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. You know what Jesus did? He says, come, spend time with me. Spend time with me. These guys didn't come to a point of faith yet. They will shortly. But sometimes that requires spending time with Jesus, doesn't it? I think one of the reasons why in our country... Um, generally speaking, uh, we're in a spiritual malaise is because people who propagate the myth that the Bible's out of date, has no relevance and all, and church is out of date and has no relevance, are really cheating themselves. Because the invitation still stands to anyone, come and spend some time with me, Jesus says. Come and say. Remember show and tell in school? Right? Come and see. Right, let's, let's look at it from here. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one uh, of the two who heard what John had said. That's John the Baptist. Uh, and who had followed Jesus. Uh, so now you have Andrew. Andrew's an interesting character. One of the apostles. But he willingly chose to remain in the background. 
You know, I'm sure he did great things for, for the kingdom of God, but he, he was led to go to his brother, Peter. We all know Peter, right? To go to Peter uh, and tell him what Jesus said. Look at, you know, Peter's Peter. <laughs> the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, who's Peter, and tell him, we have found who? The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew was probably a fisherman, hardworking guy, because that's what Peter was, Right? And he goes to his brother. He had no seminary degree. You know, he, he's, he's a brand new Christian, if you will, who decided to follow Christ. And he goes to Peter and he says, we found the Messiah, Peter. Come and see. Come and see. How many of you remember um, MASH, the program MASH, right? Uh, you know, it may, I don't know how realistic it was. Uh, I think Doc call, got called away. Uh, he served in a medical unit uh, over in Korea. But, um, uh, I'm sorry, not in Korea, in Vietnam. But in MASH, you know, they bring the wounded in and, and you know, they did the best they can with them uh, to heal them. But suppose, let's come back to to today. Suppose there was a real cure for cancer. And the medical community decided not to tell anyone. That would be a great injustice, wouldn't it? It would be a great injustice. Now, I'm not saying there is one. This is just hypothetical. But everybody's born with a terminal disease. It's called sin. It's terminal physically, it's terminal spiritually. But do you know that Christ himself entrusted the church, that's you and I, with the very same message to go to people and say, look, we found the anointed one, we found the Messiah, we found the one who's able to heal our hearts and make us whole. We found the one who's able to forgive sin and the one that can prepare people to be used in ways they couldn't even imagine for the glory of the Father. Peter was so impetuous. I, you know, I wish we had more detail about how he responded, but look at the encounter between Jesus and Peter. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now, it was not uncommon in biblical days for people to have two names. Uh, however, in Jesus' case, when somebody comes to faith in, in him, he gets a new name. Does anybody know what Peter means? Rock. Rock. So here's this fisherman, probably smelled like fish, probably had language that you really don't want to hear, 
comes to Jesus and says, you know what, Peter? You're kind of rough. But the Father has great plans for you. How about you? I don't think it was an accident that Peter was a fisherman because you, you know that uh, Christ later says to his disciples, I'm going to make you fisher of men and women. But any fishermen here? Yeah? Okay, we have a few. Listen, I do my fishing in ShopRite. Um, but when a fisherman catches fish, if he's going to eat the fish, he's got to do what? Or her. She's got to clean them, right? Jesus says, look, you come to me as you are. And when you put your faith in me, let me clean you up from the inside out. From the inside out. Peter needed a lot of cleaning up. But he decided to follow Jesus. And Jesus started the cleaning up. It's a long process, wasn't it? Three and a half years. And he still needed work. Says the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, said to him, follow me. See the invitation? Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from a town of Bethsaida. Philip found uh, Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I mean, you know, at least these guys had a handle on some of the Old Testament, and they were starting put, to put the, the dots together. And it said, listen to the response from Philip. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nazareth was the other side of the tracks. Nazareth was where the poor people were. Nazareth was where the uneducated people were. And yet, the Messiah came from there. Nathaniel couldn't believe it. What good can come out of Nazareth? I was born in Jersey City. So what good could come out of Jersey City, right? <laughs> uh, what good can come out of Forked River? What good can come out of New York City, you know? The answer is this, when God's in it, it's good. It's good. Philip was obviously a little prejudiced here, right? But here was the message again, come and see. Come and see. Right? And he goes on to say, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Listen. See, Jesus was able to see the heart. He was able to see beyond the prejudice because Jesus knew when Nathaniel experienced 
the love that Jesus has for, has for him, that that prejudice and pride would melt, would just melt away. And here's why, because Nathaniel would, would say, I'm not worth it. Why me? Why me? See, he knew that Daniel was devout. He knew, I'm, I'm sorry, that uh, Nathaniel was devout. And, and he knew that he was an honest man. And then Nathaniel asked this question, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. That must have blown his mind. My guess was he was under the fig tree praying. And Jesus knew he was there. How do you know me? That's another key question. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. And he still loves you. He may not agree with everything you do, but he still loves you. But the invitation stands. Come follow me. Come follow me. Because if you follow Christ and you yield to him and his word, then the Holy Spirit gets a chance to clean us up from the inside out. It's quite a miracle if you think about it. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, listen, this is remarkable. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathaniel is what we would have called a hard case. But grace and love will always conquer. Will always conquer. You know, I, I wouldn't say will always conquer because many people are exposed to the grace and love of Jesus and the message of Jesus, but they choose not to respond. Some think they, they have a lot of days before they need to respond. I'll respond on my deathbed. Well, then it might be too late because nobody knows when our last day will be. But Rabbi, you are the son of God. Jesus, you're the son of God. You realize Nathaniel would have been stoned to death by this proclamation. You're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So Jesus said, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? I mean, this is, this is, you know, Jesus is saying, look, I want to get to the heart of the matter here. Do you just believe me because, you, you know, you, I told you what I saw and you didn't even realize it? He says this, you will see greater things than that if you follow me. Wow. And he goes on, to, oops, I think I missed a verse in there. Uh, then he goes on to say, very uh, truly, truly, I, I will tell you, Jesus said, you will see heaven open and the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
Listen, I you know, I've heard Christ followers say that, you know, life can get boring at times. And maybe that's true. But since I've followed Christ, life has been anything but boring. It also sometimes has been very tough. But many times, in all times, it's been a blessing. You will see greater things. Now listen, I've been privileged to see Jesus heal people. Not because we demanded it, we prayed for it, but if he called the people home, then they were okay with that. But in several cases, he chose to heal them. I've been privileged to be a part of that. I've been privileged to be a spokesman, if you will, for Christ and the gospel. This message is not a popular message these days. Because we have to ask the question, who is your king? Who is your king? I don't know if any of you are Elvis fans. Um, they used to call him the king of rock and roll. At one of his concerts, he, he got up. Because, you know, Elvis got his start in gospel music. And I know he had his problems, but it left an impact. But at a concert, he was introduced as the king of rock and roll. And he got up to the microphone and he said, no, no, there's only one king. And his name is Jesus Christ. You see, we need more people who will be bold for their Savior. Andrew took a back seat because he didn't want the focus to be on him. And he still did things for Christ, were just not done out in the open like some of the others. I'm going to use an illustration from baseball. Those of you who follow baseball, uh, do you know who uh, Buck Showalter is? Okay. He was a manager for the Yankees at one time. Still floats around as managers you know, for teams. But if you ever notice the way he manages, he, ca he carries a notebook with him. And he'll write down thoughts during the game. And listen, you know, when you manage the Yankees, uh, these guys are the highest paid people in baseball. Not only that, for lack of a better word, many of them are prima donnas, okay? And Buck Showalter wrote these words. You can get a lot done if you don't care who gets the credit. Did you catch that? You could be a you get a lot done if you don't care who gets the credit. In our case, whatever we do for the kingdom of God is for the glory of God himself. We don't need the credit. We got our reward already. Salvation, forgiveness, new life, new purpose. I want to just end with one 
last illustration. Probably my favorite. Let's talk about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was Jewish. He was also a tax collector, which the Jews at the time viewed as, as worse than a prostitute or a murderer. And he was an extortionist because the Roman government gave him permission to extort his people. They would say, we want X amount of money. You can keep whatever is over and above that. He was hated. We also find out from Luke's gospel he was short because there was a crowd forming because Jesus was passing by. And Zacchaeus wanted to go see this Jesus. So, you know, you picture the crowd, and Zacchaeus is trying to get in to see, see Jesus. Guess what they're doing, you know? They're elbowing him. They're shutting him out. So, yeah, I, I often uh, equate Zacchaeus to Louis de Palma in Taxi, right? The small guy, you know, he, he was a weasel, right? But he knew Jesus was passing by. So he climbs a sycamore tree, as Scripture says, to see Jesus. And as Jesus is passing by, he calls him by name, Zacchaeus. Come down from there. I want to have dinner with you and your family tonight. And of course, the religious people at the time said, if he was the Messiah, he, he wouldn't eat with this guy. This guy's a sinner. Well, not only did he eat with him, but Zacchaeus and his family received Christ by faith. And he became a follower of Christ. And he stood up at the end of that dinner and he says, I will return everything that I have extorted fourfold, which shows the fruit of repentance. Humanly speaking, we might have said, uh, Zacchaeus is a rat, you know, he's, a, he's an extortionist, he's, he's a weasel. He doesn't deserve to be saved. God had different ideas. Because God chooses people we wouldn't choose. And I was one of them. How about you? What is your response to Jesus? The call of discipleship is a call extended to every believer. What we do with that call is another matter. Because without discipleship, without reading the scriptures, without studying them, without applying them to our lives, we will remain, spiritually speaking, infants and never mature. God wants us to mature in Christ. So I'm going to ask Kristen and Chip to come up. And we're going to close the service with a song. Uh, I hope you picked up the theme today. Uh, this, this last song is I Will Follow. It's a great song. So uh, as they come up and get ready, uh, if you are able to, would you stand, please? And we'll, we'll close the service with this song.
go, I'll go Where you say I'll stay When you move, I'll move I will follow All your ways are good All your ways are sure I will trust in you alone Higher than my sight High above my you go, I'll go. Where you say, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Whom you love, I love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. Yeah, I will follow you. Yeah. Light into the world, light into my life. I will If this life I lose, I will follow you, yeah, I will follow you, yeah. In you there's life everlasting, in you there's freedom for my soul, in you there's joy unending joy, and I will follow I will follow you, whom you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you, whom you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. Yeah, I will follow you. Forgive me, I have to run up to Tom's River. So, um, if, again, if you want to take part in that, you're welcome to come. 12.15, I'll be uh, continuing the study of Hosea. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all of us who name the name of Christ. Help us to be a disciple. Give us both the desire and give us the insight as to what you call us to do and be. And help us give you permission, Holy Spirit, to continue the process to clean us up from the inside out. And Father, we'll give you all the glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great week.